106.7 The Fan. We'll get to Chris Miles at the bottom of the hour, NBA TV on the Wizards in the NBA second half. See, Chris, I, I got a couple ideas for the dunk competition. See if you'll agree with me. Uh, be sure to cheer on Team USA men's basketball when they face rivals Puerto Rico on February 24th and Mexico on February 27th at DC's Entertainment and Sports Arena for the FIBA America's World Cup qualifying. Buy your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. All right, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN has a uh, story out about free agents and the NFL and the world of quarterback. Quarterbacks and free agency. And the um, subhead says, could Mitchell Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, be legit starting quarterbacks in 2022? Of course, both former high number, you know, first-round draft picks. People love a reclamation project. So, look, here's what I'm saying. You don't have to give up on the dreams if you're the commanders, but – you know, you're you're more than likely to get to a point where you're going to figure out, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, this thing ain't happening. Okay. Derek Carr, I think that ship has sailed as well. I think the Raiders have been pretty honest about what they're trying to do, which is to re-sign him. And Russell Wilson, despite some footsie with the idea of, um, you know, quote, checking out his options, he has uh, been on the record as saying his – First desire is to go back to Seattle and win more Super Bowls. And, of course, there's always that other little small matter if the Seahawks were to move on from Russell Wilson. Like, who the hell is your quarterback? So, do you really like to roll with Geno Smith? Then you have the other section of quarterbacks, the guys who are most likely to get traded this offseason, one of which appeared to be Deshaun Watson for a while. However, now, with this legal stuff, I mean, I, I don't know that that is a realistic thing. First of all, I never thought it was realistic for Washington, but I mean, there's even discussion that Watson, because of his very large cap number, um, you know, that's kicking in, you know, it would seem like the Texans really have to drop their asking price at this point or get over themselves or really hamper their roster for a guy they have no intention of ever playing again. Then, of course, there's Jimmy G, who has, you know, talked about being available. And the 49ers are clearly going to give Trey Lance every chance to be the guy. So those are the ones, you know, in the trade market, those two players, both with their own kinds of baggage. All right. And then, of course, there's the free agency. And the free agency, it's like, can you find your next Ryan Tannehill? And maybe now that sounds like a terrible comparison because we know what Ryan Tannehill did not do in the postseason. Since, you know, two seasons ago where they made that unexpected AFC run, they have been one and doneers in the playoffs. So, that being said, he's still been functional. They are a, a very good team. They were the number one seed, for goodness sakes, this year. So, he has kind of found a new career. He's not the bust bust he was in Miami, but he's certainly not Pat Mahomes, okay? He's not Joe Burrow, I don't think, by any means. So, he's nobody like that. But he's somewhere, he's a very, very serviceable, strong starter. He would be an upgrade for a lot of teams. So could a Mitchell Trubisky, could a Marcus Mariota be that kind of person for whoever their next team is? Or a Jameis Winston, for that matter, if he were to move on somewhere else. So um, Jeremy Fowler breaks this down. Jordan Poyer, who is a very good safety for this team, actually former Team 980 extern. Um, Jordan Poyer kind of looks like Steph Curry, and actually he was in a Wizards game, fun fact, uh, when he was here doing the extern project in the offseason at Team 980, and he actually was... Uh, getting people coming up to him, asking him if he was, in fact, Steph Curry. Anyway, so Jordan Poyer, who played against 
Mitch Trubisky on the scout team all year because he was running their scout team in Buffalo where he's pretty much in a witness protection program this year. Um, said that um, he was asked if the backup should be a starter in the league. He said 1,000%. Um, the Bills think he's going to get another chance. He just signed that one-year deal, kind of just been you know, going back to quarterback school. He said he began to play robotic, he believes, in Chicago and their offense, which undermined his mobility and his arm strength. And this is one thing I've discussed. A lot of these quarterbacks, a similar theme, whether you're talking about the free agents, the draft, the tradable guys, all mobile, all mobile. And I don't know if it, if Washington, when they were still Washington football this past year, always did the best job to display that with Taylor Heineke. Now, was that all based on, hey, look, we don't want to get this guy hurt. We're just being conservative here for a minute or what? Or were they just scared? I mean, I don't know. Was it just, was that the reason they just didn't, they wanted to lower the amount of you know hits he could take? I mean, talking to him in, after the week 17 game, or excuse me, week 18 game, 17th game against the Giants, on the post game, he, he admitted it. He likes to be rolled out more. Kind of wishes they would have done a little bit more of that, of that stuff with him. So whoever the quarterback is, there's going to have to be some tweaking of the Scott Turner system or maybe even a reinvention of the system to whoever this quarterback may or may not be because more than likely they're going to be dual threat, even more so than Heineke. So going off of what one of these AFC executives says about Trubisky, he says, I could see him going to a situation where he can be a starting option and the team drafts a quarterback. Ding, ding. Uh, he'll have to go out there and earn it, but there's certainly enough there in the right offense, you can accommodate him. The offense of Chicago is pretty rigid on script, and I'm not sure that suited him. It's a fair point. Uh, Chicago, by the way, Mitch Trubisky was 29-21. and 21. It's not amazing by any means, but they were in the playoffs twice uh, in that time. I, I, I did a deep dive in the middle of the season when I started hearing rumblings about this coaching staff liking Mitch Trubisky. It's like, okay, was it as bad as we thought it was? Or are we all still basing everything off of why did they move all the way up just to get one spot and give up all that draft capital when there were better quarterbacks in the draft? Like Watson, like obviously Mahomes. I mean, like what were they thinking or not thinking when you're talking about the Bears? And maybe it's just as simple as saying it's the Bears. So maybe the guy gets a pass there. You know, maybe you give him a pass. I don't know. Maybe the one year Brian Dable has reset him as a quarterback. He says, Trubisky's words, going to Buffalo really opened my eyes. He says, after being in Chicago for four years, there was only one way I knew how to do things. Being in Buffalo and having a different ways of doing things, you learn what's possible. It helped me get back to being an instinctual football and using my talents rather than overthinking. Uh, of course, he played behind Josh Allen, who in most years would have been the MVP. It was amazing this year. But he said Trubisky, uh, or excuse me, Brandon Bean said this about Trubisky playing behind Josh Allen. He said one thing that Josh showed Mitch is that it's okay to freelance a little bit, use your athleticism and instincts. And um, he says, I think he'll take that with him, meaning when he goes to the next place. Trubisky describes going through progressions as necessary for a quarterback, but he says it's always not as simple as one, two, three to make the throw. Escaping and playing smart but not conservative can be just as crucial. So there you go, a little bit of the uh, Mitch Trubisky file if you're buying into the fact that he may be the level you'd have to get at. And by the way, in terms of a teammate, Jordan Poyer said he absolutely fell in love with a guy, calls him one of the best teammates he's ever had. It's pretty high praise. So if you're coming into a new situation, you don't want a guy who's going to be, you know, a jackass, for example. 
Jameis Winston, the other case. ACL surgery in November. Don't love that. Look, he's a drop-back quarterback. He plays in the pocket. They were 5-2, and two, and he had 14 TDs to three picks prior to the ACL injury. He was different. He was not the same reckless guy that was in Tampa, but also could, you know, by the way, make some big plays with his arm. I really liked him coming out of college, and I was intrigued by him in Tampa. I was surprised that him and Arians didn't click. Uh, I thought Arians would be good for him. He wasn't. But Sean Payton clearly was good for him. And, you know, Pete Carmichael, I don't know what the relationship's like there, because that's the thing. Is Carmichael's staying, so does that mean he's an automatic stayer in New Orleans? So I'm not so sure how available he'll be. I would think they've got a pretty good file on him. They saw him, you know, talking about Rivera and the staff up close in that division for many years. So I would think they would have a good file on what they think about him. I just don't see him. I, I think he stays in New Orleans. And why wouldn't you? I mean, geez, Taysom Hill's in front of you. I mean, pfft, he's not in front of you, really. I mean, it's just Taysom Hill. Why go? I mean, you started saving your career there. Stay in the division, too. Mariota, I know a lot of people love him. I do. I'm not one of them. I didn't like him out of college. You have to change the offense completely. You have to run an offense that suits him. Something that Kyle Shanahan would have designed, obviously, when he was here in 2012 with Robert Griffin III. You have to run something like that in order to be successful with him. You, he's another guy you can't just put in a drop-back situation. I didn't think he was extremely accurate back then, um, but he does have some intangibles that are fascinating to me. You know, there's a lot of discussion about maybe him going you know, to San Francisco if Garoppolo gets traded, which would make a lot of sense. But I would also think with the way the quarterbacks are and how many teams are shopping for quarterbacks – you know, including the Buccaneers and, you know, including the Steelers. I mean, Mariota's got as much a chance to be a starter as any of those guys. All right, the best of the rest, Teddy Bridgewater, who always seems to be the guy who's, the you know, hard luck, whatever, you know, injury, whatever it may be. They're still searching for something else. Uh, he's a accurate quarterback, isn't really chancy, you know, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, again, you got to keep him upright. So he's – been with, what, four different NFL teams since 2017 now. I mean, f- chance to be 4-4 four and four is, is pretty tough. Denver was 7-7 seven and seven with him as a starter this year. Carolina, he was not so hot, obviously, in uh, 2018. Went 15. He was 15-11 touchdown to interception with the Panthers, but was 18-7 with the Broncos. But he was 20th in QBR in the league. So that's... The Teddy Bridgewater file, if you will. And then I Tyrod Taylor, by the way, I don't know why he's not getting more love. He had a one-year stint with the Texans. And as my buddy Fred Smoot always points out to me, wherever Tyrod Taylor goes, the team usually finds their you know franchise quarterback the next year or so. Just from a good luck charm standpoint, that may make a lot of sense. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, they mentioned on this list. How about that? 39 years old. He might retire. Yeah. No thanks. Sorry, Fitzmagic. No magic here. Not even a full half of football. Dude's hip got jacked up. And then it, and that's pretty much it as far as who are going to be free agents, free agent quarterbacks. So if you got to aim low, like you aim high at first, but then you have to actually shoot your shot low. That's what you're looking at. A Trubisky, Mariota, Bridgewater, Jameis, maybe, although I'm not really sure he's available, kind of group. I mean, would you prefer trading for Garoppolo over one of those guys, or is that too much? Or at least with him, you're not giving up 
these were these guys, excuse me, you're not giving them draft capital. And you can still draft a quarterback with some of these guys being here, and it wouldn't be insulting. Now, I don't know, it'd be fascinating if Washington were to, the commanders, were to get Trubisky. I'm going to remind myself I can say that now. Were to get Trubisky, would you still draft a quarterback? Because you have Heineke here. Or do you say, you know, sorry, you know, we're going to bring in a rookie as well. And you have all three here. Or do you end up sticking with two? And I mean, Heineke's got a really cheap deal for another year. So there's no real urgency to move on unless somebody called you about him. I mean, you let him fight it out with Trubisky. And then you could be patient with a rookie if you wanted to. Now, I don't know if you take that rookie in the first round if you spent free agent cash on a potential starter. But it's something to think about. I mean, none of it's exciting. I'm not I'm not here to lie to you. Uh, it's None of it is overly exciting. It is what it is, as they say. All right. Get the phone lines in this, 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. I mean, you can aim high, but if you got to end up pulling the trigger low, who's your backup to the top plan? Give me your thoughts on it, 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. We'll get to Chris Miles at the bottom of the hour as well. Scott Jackson with you here on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. All right, welcome back. It is uh, Overtime. Scott Jackson with you here on 106.7 The Fan. We'll talk some hoops. Bottom of the hour, Chris Miller. 800-636-1067. All right, so if you're aiming high, but you don't hit high, if you're the commanders at the quarterback, who's your low-aim quarterback? I just went through some of the names in the free agent world, starting with Mitchell Trubisky, who uh, spent his year in Buffalo. After obviously being overdrafted by the Bears, not his fault. He wasn't the dummy who gave up all the stock to get up and get him. But it was obviously a little bit disappointing, needless to say. And you know, the other guys like Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, if you believe he'll be available. Uh, you know, then you, you know, it's a guy dropping down like Teddy Bridgewater, uh, maybe Tyrod Taylor after that point, but that's kind of it. You know, Jacoby Brissett, I guess if Carson Wentz gets cut, there's another one you could throw on the list. I said this yesterday, and I'll keep saying it. If Frank Reich doesn't think Carson Wentz can play anymore, I'm out. So, I mean, he was the only guy who got any good football out of him. And if he doesn't think he can play, I'm done. All right, let's get to the phones. Vic and Akatik, thanks for waiting. How you doing? Scott, what's up now? How you doing, buddy? I'm pretty good. So, um, none of those guys are what I want to discuss, what I want to talk about if I'm if I'm a GM, if I'm a Redskin, excuse me, right. commander's front office guy. Um, right. All of those guys are mediocre and or and or losers. I I don't want to use the term so directly, but they, they haven't won. If they have won, they haven't led their team to a dynamic uh, situation where you can uh, bet your stake on them. That's why they're not with the teams that are trying to get rid of them. Sam Howell is who I would draft. Sam Howell is, uh, will be available at the point in the draft where we can pick. Sam Howell has thrown for over 10,000 yards on his college career. Sam Howell throws a first down every play on average. Sam Howell threw uh, just under 60 touchdowns in his three-year career with North Carolina. Sam Howell is also the man that hooked up with De'Ami Brown quite often. He can stretch the field. He's pretty accurate. <clears throat> he does not throw a lot of interceptions. And he threw for three, over 3,000 yards and three times as more in a, touchdowns and interceptions on a bad football team this year with North Carolina. The problem is I don't like the Washington Commanders front office. 
I'm starting to feel like Juan Rivera is Fugazi. I'm starting to feel like he's too much. He defers too much to his coaches, and he's too nice because these guys have big names and they've been around the NFL, and that's a load of crap. Three of our former assistants, one of them is a Super Bowl champion now, one of them completely goes to the Super Bowl, and one of them wins in the NFL. And they were nobodies in the NFL before they left us and went to the Packers, the 49ers, and the Rams. So what we have to stop doing and what Ron has to stop doing is believing in his hype of the history of uh, NFL lineage and people that have been here for a while. You have to go with what is smart, what is logical, and what helps your football team win. And what I can see on the quarterback draft board right now we're not going to get pickings from Pittsburgh. So Sam Howell is the best opportunity for us to develop, and he gives us opportunity to win uh, using our speed down the field. All right. Thanks for the call. Look, he's, he's a little Taylor Heineke in size and height, probably a bigger, thicker guy, right? A little thicker. Um, you're right. It wasn't the best team that he had this year that he played around. Uh, he doesn't have what I would call elite arm strength, but it does seem like he has a bigger arm than what you have right now. But I, I still think there's some questions about him in the at the NFL level. Um, I like Pickett better than all, than most. I, I'm I like Pickett, but I understand what you're saying about Hal the pedigree. And it, but it does seem like he was almost hurt by sticking around uh, this season uh, for whatever reason. And, and like just to clear something up, I mean everybody, we do understand like Kyle Shanahan was never gonna get the job here, right? Like after his dad took the stick of dynamite to the building, I mean come on, <laughs> they liked, you know, again if you're gonna nitpick anything they didn't do, I guess they should have fired Jay coming off a pretty good season where they just missed the playoffs to keep McVeigh. I mean that's the only thing you could say. I mean the other dude didn't, you know, nobody knew who the hell Matt Lafleur was he was here. Matt Lafleur wasn't even sure he was here. Then he went two places and never called plays until t- the Titans and was really not very exciting. I mean, they weren't really good, and he got the job. So, I mean, hey, who knows? And here's the other thing. Maybe he'll look a little different when number 12's not playing with him. Just a suggestion. Hey, Telly, you're next up here on uh, Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. How you doing? All right. What's up, Scott? You are, um, listen, Listen, first of all, um, I wouldn't suggest that we go after one of those top-tier quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, because then our salary cap, you know, is, um, you know, taken, draft picks taken. I suggest that, you know, we draft the quarterback. So, personally speaking, to answer your question, it don't matter to me who we pick up in free agency as long as we go draft that boy Malik Willis. You know what I mean? I think that the way you should build the football team now is to have a, you know, quarterback on a rookie contract, you know, like yeah. the Chargers, Bengals, Cardinals, yeah. Bills. That way you can fill holes, you know, with your um, your salary cap and other draft yeah. picks. And so, look, let me ask you this question real quick, right, because I would definitely draft Malik Willis first round. What you think about, you know, doing the 2012 all over again and drafting two quarterbacks <laughs> in the first four rounds? I would draft no. Malik Willis and no. possibly Zappi, Brown, Ritter, yeah. Strong. What you think about that? Yeah, you know what? No. I think we just lived through that. You, you got Heineke can be your backup if that's the case, or he's gonna be the bridge starter if you're go, if you're drafting a quarterback. No, I would I honestly I wouldn't do that again. Um no, no. They've done it twice in their franchise history with with no success. Um long term with either one of them. None of them made it on well, I mean, I guess Cousins had extra con he had yeah, actually had multiple contracts. They were one year contracts, but no, I mean, look, it it caused bad feelings, didn't work out well. You'd really, you have to have a pecking order there, and I, I think that muddied the water 
uh, before, and I think it would with um, in a, you know with Farrat and Schuler back in the day too. It wasn't the greatest dynamic. Now Schuler just flat out couldn't play at the NFL level. However, uh, you know Farrat, you know had his moments. You know after he left here, he was actually a lot better. So now I'm not a big fan of that idea. You, you still have other needs. It's you know I don't know. I mean I guess there's there's always a possibility of doing it. I, I don't love. I wouldn't go in there thinking I'm doing that. You need you need another starting linebacker. Uh, you need some help in the secondary still. So you could probably use a you know depth on the offensive line. We don't know the guard situation. Probably need a guard if you don't feel like you had that person in house. So there's there's other things to deal with. I, I don't know if I'm spending two picks in the top four rounds at least in a quarterback. They done day three like and beyond. Yeah. Does it really matter as much? Maybe you know, like I should say, rounds five to seven, okay, but not. I wouldn't go like in the first four rounds, like they were Cousins and RG three again. No, or RG three Cousins. No, thanks. Hey, Dennis in Virginia, how you doing? God, how are you, buddy? Good, man. Hey, thanks for taking my call. And the previous sure. caller prior to this one, in reference to Sam Howell, uh, look, I, I bleed Carolina blue, man, and right. and. I love Sam Howell. I really do. He struggled this year because he didn't have an offensive line that could protect him. He didn't have any he didn't have any threats that, that he could really get down the field with like he did the previous year. And I really like Sam Howell. Okay. However, I wouldn't draft him. I think, you know, and and I'm not a Washington fan. I'm I'm a pad I'm a Patriots fan, man. I'll tell okay. you straight up. But okay. I would go after Jimmy Garoppolo. And I, I hate hearing all the Washington fans say, don't bring Jimmy Garoppolo to Washington. Let me tell you, Jimmy Garoppolo is in the same field as Alex Smith. When Alex Smith came here, he was 6-3 yeah. and three before he got hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo can win football games from you. Does he make dumb decisions at times during the game? Yes, he does. But Jimmy Garoppolo is a winner. Jimmy Garoppolo can win games for the Washington team. And that's what Washington needs. Bottom line. No, I don't think it's terrible, as terrible as others do. I'm with you there. Um, actually, Logan Paulson played with him, and it really has had some good breakdowns of Jimmy G and some of the things that he does very well, uh, some of the concerns you know, with him, too. So, no, I'm not, I don't think it's a terrible idea, and I think that's a, actually a really good comp, the Alex Smith uh, thing there as well. You know, his problem has been, you know, Jimmy G, as you know, has had injuries even in New England when he was the part-time spot starter the year when Brady was injured, you know, Brady was suspended, I should say. Uh, he got injured, and in, you know, obviously in, in in San Francisco, his problem's been staying on the field as well. And then the decision making was not the best this year in the playoffs. He got away with some stuff, no question about it. Uh, again, like anything else, what's the price? Is the price right? Then then you go for it. All right, Chris Miles, NBA TV, will join us coming up. We'll get back to some quarterback stuff at the top of the hour. I do want to get to it. We will talk about Aaron Rodgers and uh, and one of the points that one of the callers made actually was really good. Telly about the uh, about the cap situation and how it pertains to uh, bringing in veterans. I'll, I want to get to that as well. But next NBA, Chris Miles joins us. We'll talk Wizards and other things around the league straight ahead here on Overtime on one hundred six seven The Fan. All right, welcome back. Overtime here on 106.7 The Fans. Scott Jackson in here. And a man you used to hear in this spot many, many times over the years is Mr. Chris Miles. NBA TV joins us right now. Chris, good evening to you. How you been? 
Uh, great. How about yourself, man? Not bad. Not bad. Can't complain. Um, I tell you what, um, over the weekend, I was uh, pleasantly surprised to see the NBA All-Star game catch my attention more than All-Star Saturday night, which was very weird because it's usually the flip. Uh, it's usually the other way around. But Steph Curry, you know, basically put on a show. I mean, like I say to people, I don't care it's an All-Star game. You can tell me people don't play defense. Dude, you couldn't shoot like that in an empty gym in your wildest dreams the way he was shooting it the other night. Yeah, and at this point, if anyone tells you that they don't play defense in the NBA, they're an idiot. It's because they don't see the court view. Like, that's a thing from about 15 years ago that circulated. Right. And it was true in 2006. Right. All right, yeah. in 2022, the guys are playing defense, and they, you had to run around like a maniac to get open. Did you see that video of Duncan Robinson trying to get off a shot? I mean, that's actually what the game looks like. So, um, you know, I think since they implemented the Elam ending, the all-star game in the last three years, I think it's been really good. I think the Elam ending has been superb for the NBA all-star game. Yeah, now let's get to the dunk competition. <laughs> From that to, oh, man. I just think if they take away the misses, right? This kid, you have to have a limit. You have to cut down to the number of misses. Do we need a clock back, maybe? And here's the other thing: I don't need to see somebody like Cole Anthony, you know, tightening up the, their tims. You know, I, I just, just, we got better things to do at night. You know, I mean, come out in the boots or, or don't do it at all. I, I don't know. What What are your thoughts on on the dunk competition? And I, clearly, the most obvious thing would be get the best players in it. But if if you can't yeah. do that, we got to at least fix this format. Not necessarily the best players, but the best dunkers. And, yeah, I, you know, I was, I was on with Grant and Danny earlier today, and I said, you know, to me there's a line of demarcation. And we go through this with a dunk contest. You'll get three stinkers in a row, and you'll yep. get the 2015 dunk contest. Then you'll get two stinkers in a row. Then you get the, um, you know, 2020 dunk contest. Like, when you had Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon battling for about five years, I mean, I think it was really good for a, a, a run. You know what I mean? Um, because those those guys are incredible dunkers. But like you said, the missed attempts like Jalen Green, the second oh. pick in the draft, I'm out on him. I've seen enough. <laughs> like between the way he's played this year, how he looked um, when I talked to him in summer league, and now you miss eight dunks in a dunk contest, I, there's just something like that was a red flag. That's the biggest takeaway I have from the dunk contest is, one, yeah. you need like Diane Williamson and John Morant in there. You need your best young guys. And two, uh, I'm out on Jalen Green. Second pick in the draft, whatever he turns out to be, I just, I'm not, I'm out on him. I love it. Uh, we're here with Chris Miles uh, talking NBA from NBA TV with us here on 1067 The Fan of the Odyssey app. All right, look, you and I, I swear we had this conversation for a good four to five years. It felt like, uh, you know, with the Wizards, are they missing their opportunity? Are they missing their window to really just hit a reset button and do this right? Well, um, as you know, <laughs> they did not do that again. They, they went against uh, your advice and others uh, this this past trade deadline. They went instead and added Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, they're probably ready to back up the Brinks truck this summer uh, for Bradley Beal. It seems like that's really their number one goal is to make sure he's happy and he's here as long as he wants to be here. Just kind of your thoughts on on that approach, and is there is there any way this could come out and and benefit them to where they could climb up from that you know that play in stuck in spot that they seem to be in right now? You know, I really thought about it. Um, people try to do the Ray Allen, Bradley Beal comp, 
Bradley Beal is too far into his career to even be mentioned in the same breath as Ray Allen. Bradley Beal has two all-star appearances. Ray Allen had, what, 10 in his career, right? And made big shots in clutch situations. That comparison is gone. So here's the question I, I have for you. If you're the Wizards and you realize you have Steve Smith from the Hawks back in the days, really good player. But are you paying him 200 something mil thinking you're going to win a championship with that guy? Like, no. I think at this point, no. they missed the opportunity to sell when he was at his, his stock was at the highest. And whatever they do from here on out, it should be moving on from Bradley Beal, get him to a contending team, and get your franchise where it needs to be. He's not a guy that's going to win you a championship. What are you doing? What are you doing? Well, and the other fascinating part is beyond just they wanting to just put all the chips in for him is is the fact that they really feel like that they need to get his input and that you know they're trying to impress him. I mean, that's that reality is not going to happen for him anywhere else. So I understand why he doesn't. He feels comfortable here and wants to stay here, and, that, and because the money, his accountant would probably scream at him if he wanted to go elsewhere for now. So I mean, I get it from his standpoint. I'm just still trying to figure it out from their standpoint. Um, you know, treating him like he's, you know, I don't know, Kevin Durant for lack of a better uh, comp or somebody like that. Well, uh, without saying too much, they definitely didn't treat uh, Kevin Durant as well as they treat Bradley Beal. So there's that. What? That's all I got on that situation. I mean, yeah. I, put it like this. There, if you want to say, Chris, give me the ineptitude of what's happening with the Wizards in a nutshell. Well, I know that if they would have put this effort into bringing Kevin Durant to town, then maybe they would have had an opportunity there as they're uh, putting into trying to keep Bradley Beal around forever and for what to one end. Like, what what do they hope to accomplish with that? I really don't know. Yeah, it's is wild. All right, let's get to a couple other things, bigger picture issues in the league. Uh, how big of a deal is this with, with uh, for the Suns that Chris Paul's going to be out, what, at least a month to six weeks now? Well, we're 50 days away from the end of the regular season. You know, you can do the math on that. It yeah. seems like he's going to come back right at the beginning of the first round, and here's a guy who had hamstring injuries. Uh, what is he, 36 now? And there's always an injury at the wrong time with him. And I was a little bit concerned that that was going to happen. Um, man, I, I'm very concerned with it simply because this team is just rolling and they seem to have hit their stride. And you look at other teams that are kind of getting healthy, getting right and hitting their stride now, i.e. the Milwaukee Bucks. I think this is really bad as far as the timing is concerned. I think if he can come back and, like, find his, his rhythm and his pace in the first round, that'll be great. I mean, I think the Suns are playing with enough house money that they'll still finish uh, second or third. But I'll tell you this, first in the West is a lot different than third in the West, <laughs> you know, as far as your first-round yeah. matchup. So, uh, they, you know, they went in the offseason and they, they solidified that backcourt as far as bringing in a couple of other players. But, you know, I've had a couple of their games this year on the NBA bet stream. And I swear they would have lost five or six games that I watched if he wasn't on the floor. <laughs> you know, like they, they won the game. Yeah. And it looks like it was an easy game statistically. And Devin Booker put up the numbers. But it was Chris Paul controlling the game down the stretch. Um, it'll, be an, it'll be interesting to see if Devin Booker jumps into the MVP conversation during this time period. That's the most interesting part. No, that is a good point. Uh, we're here with Chris Miles, NBA TV, talking uh, NBA with us via – uh, Atlanta, Georgia, here with us on 106.7 The Fan and the Odyssey app. 
All right, uh, this Laker drama that is never ending. You know, I, I don't know anybody that saw you know Russell Westbrook when he was here, when he was Oklahoma City, when he was uh, anywhere for that matter. Are totally surprised at w- what's going on. We didn't expect them to learn how to shoot suddenly uh, and be o- ultra efficient out there in Los Angeles. Are you, surpri- are you surprised at all, though, over all the angst about Westbrook and, and kind of where the Lakers are right now uh, in this particular situation? The fact that he wasn't moved at the deadline and the body language between him, LeBron, and Anthony Davis was the weirdest part. I think that's the weirdest part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I kept saying during the season, after watching him, like you said, in Houston and in Washington in particular, he got better as the year progressed. He didn't turn into a better basketball player. He just figured out his role in playing around the basket and earned, um, you know, played at an MVP level. Uh, to an extent, uh, and especially in the clutch in Washington. So I thought at some point in L.A. he would turn it on. But like you said, there's so much drama with it that it seems like he's not interested in doing that. I think he still has the ability to do it. I just don't see the interest in him uh, in doing it right now with the Lakers. And clearly those guys don't go on. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is uh, definitely a safe some uh, safe thing to say, I should say, at this point. The the 76ers in Nets trade, obviously we haven't seen all the pieces right now because we still have injuries. We still got people getting ready. When it's all said and done, how, how do you think that impacts the Eastern Conference? I looked at the Nets as a team that could absolutely not win a championship before the trade. And as soon as it happened, I thought, if Ben Simmons comes back and only plays defense, doesn't even touch a basketball, um, and Kevin Durant comes back healthy, I don't know how anyone beats them. I'm not even counting Kyrie Irving. Like, I'm not even considering him in the equation. That's how good I think they could be if Ben Simmons. You know, I had a general, well, huh, and multiple general managers tell me over the last year, he's the best defensive player in the NBA. He just, hasn't played, a, you know, a season or had the impact that everyone notices. And if you look at every metric of, you know, he led the NBA in loose balls, you know, recovered, yeah. which is a weird stat, at deflections. There's so many stats that back up that point that he should have won a defensive player of the year over Rudy Gobert, you know? And yeah. I'm like, add that with the best offensive player in Kevin Durant because that's what he is. Uh, and – Oh, Steph Curry, uh, who's arguably the most efficient shooter in the NBA and extremely clutch. Man, and Andre Drummond, who in, you know, in Beadstead has been putting up monster numbers and has done that in Brooklyn exactly what they needed. I like the ancillary pieces to that trade as much as the Ben Simmons part of it. Um, yeah, man, I, I love it for Brooklyn, and I'm, I'm afraid of what that means for the rest of the league. I'll tell you what, if Kevin Durant's able to win a championship this year, like for his legacy, that it just takes such a huge leap. I think it propels him if he's not there now into top fifteen, if not top ten all the time. I think that solidifies it. Well, it's going to be interesting to see once he gets out there. I mean, we haven't seen Ben Simmons in so long. <laughs> it feels like you know it'll be uh, it'll be a pretty interesting combo. I do uh, I do like that trade for them as well. Well, hey Chris, man, I appreciate it as always. Thanks for squeezing us in uh, here. On I know you're busy with your your network job now, you big shot, uh, and it's great to see you on NBA TV all the time, man. Appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me, man. Talk to you soon. All right, take all right, take care. Chris Miles, uh, NBA TV, uh, joining us here on 106.7 The Fan. 
good to hear from him. You know, hit on some stuff with the Wizards, which is um, sad but true about uh, kind of where they are and, um, again, the, the way they continue to operate with this uh, situation. I mean, now it's just like you just got to hope and pray that Kristaps Porzingis is the unicorn again, you know, and actually can stay on the court. Uh, and I guess we'll get to start seeing that shortly here after the All-Star break. We hope uh, for them and go from there. I, and if, you know, this is a big offseason ahead beyond the whole Beal contract thing, you know, got to get the point guard right. You got to obviously see if you can add some other pieces as well. Uh, and unfortunately, you're not really going to get any taste of what this trade did for them until next year. You know, when you see the two of those players together, because clearly this is who they're hitching their wagon to is, you know, Bradley Beal and Christoph Sporzingas. You just, you know, seen so many of these things before in the past of this franchise over the decades where they're going to pair some, you know, two guys together and then the story ends up being how many games they missed together or didn't play together. All right, coming up, I want to put uh, some thoughts on a former Wizard and uh, his issues right now. We'll get to that straight ahead. Get back to uh, some of the quarterback conversation, what Aaron Rodgers had to say today. What was the big news that Aaron was holding back on that he was tweeting about on Instagram? Or no, I guess he's posting on Instagram. He's not tweeting Instagram. Uh, We'll get to that as well. It's overtime on 106.7 The Fan of the Odyssey app. five games, which is the rest of the regular season, fine $40,000 for hitting Wisconsin assistant coach Joe Krabenhoff in the face. He kind of mushed him. It wasn't even a good punch. Uh, Wisconsin coach Greg Gard fined 10000 for violation of the conference sportsmanship policy, but not suspended. And this Krabenhoff clown got no suspension at all or punishment. He's the guy who runs out of the screen and like gets involved in something that had nothing to do with him. Like Howard and... Guard are in their thing, right? Greg Guard are having their thing. And then this guy just comes out of nowhere through the pile, says something which pisses Howard off, triggers him to the point where he mushes the guy in the face, and he gets nothing. I don't get it. I really don't. Because you talk about escalation and de-escalation of events. That escalated everything. Was that Bozo assistant coach running in there? Now, Howard's 100% wrong, and, and obviously is the one who's going to get the most brunt of this. And he, you know, has the Turgeon attack too, uh, and you know, on his record. So, I get it. I understand that part about it. But I thought this. I was almost. I would have bet a lot of things. I would have gone to bet QL. Damn it! And uh, said the best bet of the day is Krabenhoff getting some type of punishment. And I would have been wrong. That would have not been correct in the uh, in the prediction format. Anyway, so Krabenhoff not expected to get any punishment. Then you got Terrence Williams. Um. The body and Neath were all given one game suspension. All three of them threw punches. And that was that. Now the idea, and I discussed this yesterday morning, of getting rid of the the handshake line over stuff like this is absurd. I think both guys came off petty. I mean, Howard, look, if you don't want the dude to call timeout, don't full court press his ass, okay? And this guy, if you don't want your reserves getting in bare, you know, getting full court pressed and leave your starters in if you don't think they can handle it, handle the pressure. And you certainly don't put, should have never put his finger in Juwan Howard's chest. That was a mistake. <laughs> He's lucky he didn't mush his head. Anyway, none of it was a good look. But as I said yesterday, I and I'm being dead serious in this one, 
as dead as college basketball ratings are for the most part, this ain't a bad thing. They needed something. I mean, give them some life. I mean, I get so freaking tired of talking about net ratings and all this stupid stuff. I mean, college basketball needs something to get people's attention. This isn't the worst thing. Nobody got seriously injured, thankfully. You know, nobody lost any limbs or anything like that. College basketball has become kind of regionalized. You know, it's just it doesn't have the big name players it used to. People don't get to know them. They don't get to love. It's not the sport it used to be. It's just a sign of the times, right? It's just kind of where it is. But this kind of thing, yeah. You don't like it? Ooh, shame on us! Oh, we're so embarrassed. Yes, please watch us. Yeah, so it's not—it's not the worst thing in the world either. Definitely not the—not the worst thing for it, especially for the Big Ten tournament uh, in a few weeks. Could garner some more attention in the Big Ten tournament. Going towards that. All right, coming up, we will get back to uh, some of the quarterback conversation. We started earlier, but we'll also hear what Aaron Rodgers finally had to say today. The big news. What was the big news that he alluded to on the Instagrams? We'll get to that straight ahead. It's Overtime. Scott Jackson with you here on 106.7 The Fan of the Odyssey app.